happy for the opportunity of being in Grace Church uh, today uh, and uh, an opportunity to uh, renew some fellowship with people that I have not seen for some time. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we were reflecting upon uh, uh, the history of the church a little bit. I have known each one of your pastors, uh, beginning with Doug uh, Sargent, uh, who I've known for a long time, and uh, then Dave Daniels was uh, in our association before he became your pastor uh, here, and I'm uh, beginning to know uh, your present pastor a little better. Matter of fact, uh, today I'm responding to a request that he made uh, of me back in uh, March uh, when he was, uh, actually it was probably uh, back in uh, the winter, when he asked me if I could come and speak for him in March, and I couldn't because I was away at the same time. So he said, well, maybe you'd be able to come in the summer. So uh, uh, this is the fulfillment of uh, that uh, request that was made uh, some time uh, ago. Um, he um, also more recently told me that, uh, uh, and I don't know if he's fulfilled the plans, but uh, if he has fulfilled the plans, he is warming up now somewhere in uh, Algonquin Park. Uh, he was going to be camping there last night, so uh, by now he's probably thought out uh, and uh, will be able to be back uh, after his uh, uh, vacation. Uh, again, I'm happy for the opportunity of uh, being here. The passage of scripture that I would like to read is found in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, having this ministry uh, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, unhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to the death of Jesus, sake, uh, for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be made 
manifest in your mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, according to, uh, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want to um, encourage you today uh, not to quit. (laughs) not to uh, give up, not to faint, not to lose heart. That could be as simple as just uh, kind of easing back over these summer months uh, in your Christian pursuits, in uh, not being as uh, faithful uh, to the task and the challenges that God has placed before you, to the extreme of uh, packing in completely as uh, some people have, and walked away uh, from uh, their faith. Paul's encouragement to us in this passage is, don't lose heart. Don't um, give up. He um, tells us that uh, he may have been tempted to do that because of uh, his own experiences and challenges. And in the first uh, six verses of this uh, chapter, he um, gives us a little insight into that, and he's saying, uh, we, we don't lose heart. We don't give up. Even though the Christian faith may be difficult, even though trials come, even though serving the Lord may present its challenges, uh, we don't give up. We don't lose heart. Um, We don't know all that uh, Paul is describing or experiencing here. Um, But uh, we can um, not only surmise, but we can look at other passages of Scripture and have insights into what he may be talking about. This is the second book of Corinthians. This is the second letter to that church. The first letter to the Corinthian church uh, describes that church as a difficult church. Uh, They were fighting with one another. There was all kinds of jealousy. Uh, There was selfishness in that church. Uh, It was not a good scene. And as the founding pastor, I'm sure that Paul looked back upon that church and thought, I I wish they'd grow up. I wish that they would uh, mature uh, in uh, their faith. But uh, we don't give up even though we don't always get the results that we want. 
Paul seems to be indicating here that uh, um, there are not a lot of good results coming as a result of his communicating the faith at this time. He seems to be saying that, boy, people's eyes are blinded. Um, They're blinded by the God of this world, Satan. Um, But we're not going to compromise. Even though the culture in which Paul was living uh, was difficult, is we're not going to compromise on the truth of God's word. We're going to continue to communicate the truth. And we are going to allow God to do his work in the hearts and minds of people. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to alter uh, the word uh, of God. What we are going to do is we are going to focus upon the power of God to do what he has promised to do, to do what he is able uh, to do. And he says that uh, as we face challenges of ministry and church life, what we need to do is to address the God of power who spoke light into existence and ask him to shine the light of the gospel of the glory of God into the life of people. So um, as um, we seek to serve God, as we seek to communicate the truth of the gospel, uh, it's not about us. It's not about our ability to convince people. What we need to do is to pray, God, you who spoke light into existence, speak, show the light of the gospel in the hearts of people who live in this very dark culture. So um, don't give up, Paul says. Just keep keep at it. Keep plugging away. And he gives us a, three very good reasons why we can be encouraged not to give up. The first one appears in um, verse uh, 7. <clears throat> but we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I think what Paul is saying is that if we are going to be faithful, if we're going to continue to do what God wants us to do, we probably need to have a biblical view of ourselves. What are we? Well, here he describes us as uh, jars uh, of clay. Um, jars of clay were pretty commonplace um, in um, the Bible days that Paul was writing. A jar of clay was um, commonplace in the sense that you would find them in every home uh, in um, the communities of, uh, of those days. Uh, as you went into the home, you would find lots of jars of clay. Um, they were pretty commonplace. Um, they were um, kind of normal. That's what we are. We're commonplace. Um, we're pretty uh, normal. Like um, the uh, old Jesus Loves Me song, uh, we are weak, but uh, he is strong. We were reminded of that in the song uh, this morning, that uh, we are weak. But God, Jesus, 
is strong. And so um, although we are commonplace, <laughs> um, we're still useful. Um, jars of clay were used often uh, in homes. They were used for a number of things. Um, they were used um, to carry fluids, obviously, and for drinking. They were um, used to provide light. You could put oil in a jar of clay, put a wick in it, light it, and you would have light for your home. There were a variety of ways in which they could use jars of clay. <laughs> but um, they're common. Um, they're weak. Um, they're not that attractive. And here's the point, I think. The gospel is not all about us. It's about Jesus. See, um, we have this treasure in jars of clay that the focus might be upon the power of God, not us. If God intended for us to get all the glory, if God intended for the gospel to be all about us, uh, he would have made us fine china, but we're jars of clay. Common, but um, still valuable, um, significant, useful, as we talked about, there's a variety of uses there, but in addition to those uses, uh, sometimes um, people in the Bible uh, would use jars of clay to hide their treasures. Uh, they would put their coins in there. They would put any valuables that were in there to hide them. Because in those days, uh, breaking entry uh, was not difficult. <laughs> Matter of fact, you didn't have to break anything. You could still enter. Uh, and people would come in. Thieves would come in to steal. But they were faced with a little bit of a dilemma. All these pots of clay. All these jars of clay. Where were people hiding their valuables? And so they only had a certain amount of time. And so they had to move pretty quickly. Maybe they would find the valuables. But often they would not. Because the treasures were buried in jars of clay. And here's what Paul is saying, is that we need to have a true biblical evaluation of ourselves. We're rather common, but we still have value because of what's in us. And what's in us is described here in chapter 4 and verse 6. Let light shine out of the darkness has shone into the hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is in us? Well, what God has placed in us is the knowledge of the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's uh, the gospel. That's the good news. God has placed in us the indwelling presence of his own Holy Spirit. He has placed in us the good news of the gospel. And the gospel is the knowledge of the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. <laughs> the glory of God. The glory of God is the eternal, intrinsic perfections of God. What makes God God? 
And uh, what makes God God, the intrinsic, eternal perfections of God, we see in the person of Jesus Christ, who the, the scripture describes here as the image of God, who is God. He has come, the incarnate Son of God, who is the eternal Son of God, who came at Christmas, giving um, the incarnation where he came, taking upon human flesh in order that he might ultimately die to pay the penalty of our sin. Here's the gospel. We have this gospel inside us, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And so a biblical perspective of who we are is that although we're weak, we have great value because of what's in us. And we are to let that light shine out through us so that the invisible God becomes visible in our sphere of influence, in our schools, in our places of work, uh, and in our homes. The invisible God becomes visible because we allow the light of the gospel to shine uh, through us. Well, just because we're commonplace and valuable doesn't mean that uh, we don't need, need maintenance. We have to be careful to make sure that we are still able to be servants of God and serve the purpose for which he has placed us here. <laughs> One of the um, English words that we have grows out of the culture of clay pots. The English word is sincere. Are you sincere? Well, the word sincere grows out of the Greek word, meaning without wax, because what would happen would be that uh, these um, jars of clay had to be sold. Some of them would have developed some cracks. So an unscrupulous, unscrupulous uh, salesman would uh, take some um, wax and fill in the holes or the cracks in the jars of clay. You would never know that until you got home and put something hot uh, into that um, jar of clay. The wax would melt, and obviously you would find and discover the leaks. Um, we are jars of clay, and we're susceptible to cracks and problems and difficulties. And so... Um, we need to make sure that um, we are being maintained by the power of God, the presence of God, as we submit to God in what we are doing day by day, asking him to strengthen us, asking for his presence and power to be evident in our life, a biblical view um, of um, ourselves. We're rather commonplace, valuable, but um, vulnerable. Another thing that Paul says here about um, keeping at it, staying true, uh, he suggests here in verse uh, 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. A biblical view of ourselves, um, we're weak, um, 
And the focus is not to be upon us. It's to be upon the power of God. But in addition to that, we need to have a biblical view of trials and uh, difficulties. The um, scripture tells us that um, trials and difficulties are inevitable. Just as the um, sparks fly up from the flame, so man is born to trouble. Um, Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that trials and difficulties won't come into your life. Um, We may get cancer. We may experience uh, bereavement. Unemployment may come uh, into our life. There may be some financial challenges, things that would cause us to be anxious or worried. The issue is that we live in a fallen world. And just because we are Christians does not mean that we are going to be exempt from the consequences of that fallen world. The encouraging thing is that God is with us. God is able. God helps us in the midst of those uh, challenges. And here, Paul says, um, in order for us to have a biblical view of trials and difficulties, we need to understand that trials are light. You say, well, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Uh, Nobody seems to care. Light? Uh, Even in Paul's experience, how could he say they are light? Because um, over in chapter 11 of this very same book, he talks about being stoned. He talks about being left for dead. He talks about his uh, rejection, all kinds of uh, difficulties and storms. Uh, Difficulties are light? How can they be called light? He is saying they're light because he's comparing the difficulties, the trials, with the rewards. And what he says is that uh, our trials are light when you think about the weight of glory, which is incomparable, the, the joy that God has prepared for those who have put their faith and trust in him. When we compare our challenges here with what God has prepared for us, even though it has never entered even into our minds, nor could it enter into our minds, what God has prepared All we need to know is that the trials here are light compared to the weight of glory that's there. He says that our trials are light and they are momentary. Um, Momentary means that uh, they're timed. Uh, There's a beginning time and there is an end. Uh, You're saying, well, when is the end? (laughs) When, when are we going to be done with these trials? When am I going to be free from all of this challenge that I'm facing right now? Well, um, I don't know whether or not there will be a lessening of the trials while you're living on this earth. I do know that ultimately those trials will be gone because the Bible says that in heaven there's no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. The former things are passed away There is no more death. 
So ultimately, we know that uh, God uh, will take us out of this world. He will take us out of the challenges and the trials of this life. In the meantime, he promises that he will care for us in the midst of them. So um, trials are um, light. Uh, They're momentary. They're also purposeful. For Paul says here that um, the reason that trials come into our life is so that uh, people will be able to see the power of God and the presence of Jesus in our lives in the midst of those trials. We are being watched. Your friends, your acquaintances, people that are in your sphere of influence are watching you in the midst of the trials of life. Is your Savior able? Is he one who is helping you in the midst of those trials? The idea is that uh, Paul says here that in the midst of those trials, there will be an increase of thanksgiving that will result in the glory of God. People will see the reality that God is present in your life and giving you the power to live even though uh, there are difficulties and trials. Trials um, are light, momentary, they're purposeful. There is a purpose in it, even though we might not see that purpose right away, even though you may be struggling with, what is the purpose of all of this? God says there is a purpose. And uh, in addition to um, having a purpose, they're contained. (laughs) What Paul says here in uh, verse um, 8 of chapter 4, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. So um, the trials are um, contained. I may be um, at wit's end, but I'm not at hope's end. Um, I may be um, afflicted by man, but not abandoned by God. I may be um, squeezed in, but uh, there is um, a way of escape. Um, Trials come, uh, but they're contained. In other words, there is going to be no eternal damage done to you by those trials. Here we may have sickness. Uh, Here we may have challenges but there will be no eternal damage done to you because God is able and ultimately will take you to be uh, with him in the presence of Jesus. So we need to have a biblical view of ourselves. It's not all about us. We need to have a biblical view of of trials. And we also need to have uh, another biblical view which is mentioned here in uh, verse uh, 18. As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, 
but the things that are unseen are eternal. We need to have a biblical view of what is important. What is important to you? New car? Bigger house? Um, Something that you want? The biblical view of um, what is important, Paul says, is that um, it's determined by will it last. (laughs) Is it eternal or temporal? The things seen are transient. They're just here for a little time. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So um, where are you spending your money? Where are you spending your energy? Where are you doing your deepest dreaming? What's most important to you? Things that you can see? or things that you can't see. Unseen things like love, hope, faith, God himself. Where are you spending your time? Where are you investing? In things that are seen, ultimately they'll be gone. They will be destroyed. The crazy thing about things that we see, that we think we want, in addition to the fact that they are destroyed, is that we lose interest in them often. And is it not the case that we lose interest often in them not long after we get them? We've spent so much time and energy chasing things that really have a limited value and a limited Uh, significance. The things that are important are the things that are eternal. And so um, we need to live with eternity's values in view. That's not easy in the culture in which we live. The culture in which we live is focused upon secularism, materialism, hedonism, all the things that revolve around ourselves. And so Paul is challenging us. The scripture is appealing to us. And God is asking for us to concentrate upon those things that are eternal. Don't give up. It's not easy. Don't pack it in. Don't faint. Have a biblical view of yourself. Biblical view of trials, a biblical view of what is important. And the Christian life is not just uh, some pie in the sky when you die. The reality is that God gives to us a challenge to live in the present and to live in the power of God. And as we do, as the worship team will remind us, He's able. Focus upon him. He's faithful. He's able. And as they come and help us, then we'll uh, close in a moment or two by how to live in this present day. He is sufficient. Matter of fact, Paul says here in um, chapter 5 and verse 5, 
He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us